Hosea Ballou is considered the founder of universalism in the United States. I call him my universalist boyfriend because I'm convinced that if I had known him, I would have had a crush on him. I kind of do anyway. Um, he, he had a similar sentiment to this song. There's a darkness within me that's flooded in light, and I'm frightened by those that don't see it. He wrote a treatise on atonement, and it, it's vast, actually. And I can't say, in essence, it says, because it says a lot. But what I will say is this, that the part that pertains to us today is the part in our meditation hymn, There's a Wideness in Your Mercy, that basically says that we are not paying attention if we think that, this, that there's a narrow definition of who we need to be as humans. That the, the Calvinistic culture that we still live in today that has affected us through all these years, got it wrong about God, about what is holy. The first time I heard the sound of a shofar was at my friend Erin's bridal party. She decided to forego the traditional shower of gifts and ask instead that her friends make squares of silk for her chuppah under which they got married. So there was a gathering of her friends in a ritual, and um, her friend Albert blew the shofar. The sound seemed to me so ancient that it brought tears to my eyes, and it called to me, it called to and from some deep place within me and through the ages. played that for my Jewish husband, and he said, it's too perfect. Um, it sounded too canned. That to actually blow through a hollowed-out ram's horn um, is not, doesn't always sound the same. But a couple years after, I, I wanted to play it for you so you know, in case you haven't heard it, what it sounds like. A couple of years after um, Aaron and Ken's wedding, I celebrated the Jewish High Holidays with them. And she talked through some of that, what that meant to her. And today I want to share that with you, some of, in, in as, what is a combination of sermon, liturgy, and ritual. And some of the ritual part came from um, a congregation, the Northboro UU congregation in Northboro, Massachusetts. In the Jewish tradition, Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year. It begins at sundown the evening before the official day, and that was last Sunday evening, September 9th. There are 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and during those days, which are called 
the days of awe. We are asked to reflect on the year that has passed and what we wish for the year to come. If nothing else, it reminds us that that not all calendars are the Gregorian calendar. It takes us out of that um, thinking that this is the way time is, the way that we keep up the the way that we keep up with rhythm, right? Um, and that some people think about it in a different way. During this time, we remember the dead, we remember our values, who we are meant to be. For the injuries that we have inflicted, we seek forgiveness, and for the injuries that we have experienced, we forgive. Traditionally, the shofar is sounded at the beginning of a service, and its sound like no other calls us to stop what we are doing. It pierces the armor of the heart and allows our minds and hearts to be open to what the the time between may ask of us. In the Jewish tradition, it is understood that this is a time of reflection. And on Rosh Hashanah, the new year, each of our destinies for the year to come is written by the angel of life. So at the start of the year, the book of life is open, and the ten day, in the ten days that follow, the days of awe, the book of life is kept open. And if during that time we take to heart what is written in the Torah and take responsibility for the mistakes and missteps we've made, then the angel of life must consider, must reconsider what has been written. And at the last sound of the shofar on the day of Yom Kippur, the book of life is sealed for the year to come. All is written, it says. We've been given the freedom to choose to behave fully as humans, even in this world where it often seems that many fail to see each other's humanity. In these days between, we're called to look at ourselves from a different vantage point. Without the usual clutter and noise of of our busy lives and to see ourselves as we truly are. It is awesome to look clearly at the real moment and to the days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, those awesome days are the days of awe. True confessions, when I was rehearsing these um, words that I'm about to say with my Jewish husband, he couldn't stop smiling. I'm guessing it was the country southern girl accent. (laughs) So I ask those of you who are familiar with these words to bear with me and ask your forgiveness of the punctuation and the pronunciation. Teshuvah, self-reflection. The starting place is within. The Hebrew word teshuvah means return as well as repentance. It's a returning within to examine the reality of who we are spiritually. Teshuvah gives us the ability to create the changes we must make for the survival of our true self. It's a chance then for transformation, to turn our hearts 
to Falak, self-evaluation, the starting places within us. It means mirror as well as prayer. To pray is to mirror what's within, to see ourselves as we are. We know there's a world and a universe beyond our knowing, beyond our comprehension, but we can surely know what is within us, what our loyalties and our conscience urge, what good sense and affection would have us do. Sadaka, self-correction. That is more than self-righteous, more than righteousness, more than mere performance of good deeds. It means looking inward and listening to your deepest intuition of what is right and seeking to live from that place. And then the Kol Nidre. The sages have taught that only for transgressions against God can Yom Kippur atone. Only for transgressions against God. For transgressions against our neighbor, Yom Kippur cannot atone unless we seek reconciliation and goodwill. So Yom Kippur is this forgiveness by God as Hosea Ballou would say that there is no need for that because we are we we have just forgotten our at one month that atonement is at one month and there's nothing we have to do. And that is what Hosea Ballou might call grace. Our universalist ancestors would see that as grace, that there's nothing we have to do. And this is what Yom Kippur is. There is there, this is the... Yom Kippur atones for transgressions against God, but the work before... The work of Yom Kippur is seeking reconciliation and goodwill that we need against the, for the transgressions we've made against our neighbor. We resolve to remove from our minds all sentiments of rancor and enmity. In token of that resolve, we perform the rite of Kol Nidre. What are our assumptions about our place in the world? How are our relationships with each other, with our families, our friends, our earth, and all her creatures? What are the inner silent vows we have sworn that keep us from making the commitments of our heart of hearts that our heart of hearts knows would be better if we made them, even if even if it were more difficult. We ask ourselves these questions that we may be at one, truly at one atonement with one another and with each, with each other, with, with ourselves, with each other, with nature, with the eternal unknown. Konidre is a renunciation of vows. Vows that we renounce so that 
It keeps us from breaking the vows that we would have made. There's a lot of grace in that. It's proactive, right? It's proactive forgiveness. We just go ahead and renounce any vows or renounce any vows that we would have made so that we don't break them. It's a reminder more of our own fallible humanity. We are a promise-making, promise-keeping, promise-breaking people. That is who we are. In our humility lives the source of our compassion for our neighbors, our connection with all people. That connection is our strength. I love this. What I love about this is the order that there are, there's first the new year, a chance to start fresh with a clean slate. And then we have the time for reflection and contemplation, for returning, for renewing, for um, repairing our relationships and transforming. This is the ongoing work of our lives, the real work of our lives, not just for these 10 days, not just for Yom Kippur, but for always, for each and every day. And then we ask forgiveness and offer forgiveness. And on that day of Yom Kippur, Kippur, then that night at sundown, the book of life is closed and our year is sealed. We're offered that clean slate before we even have to do anything. The new year starts and offers us the space and time in these days of awe to ask for forgiveness and to forgive others. The act of reflecting, repairing, returning to universal love is what offers us the chance to transform. I um, included in your order of service today... um, The, um, the ritual, but we did that in the, cho- in the children's, um, in the children's time, in the time for all ages. So I'm going to ask you to turn to, in your blue, in your teal hymnums to number 1037. And Dave is going to play how that sounds. Will you play? And then just keep playing it because we're going to sing it. (laughs) We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again in love. And we're going to sing that two or three times. We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again in love. We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again in love. 
remaining silent when a single voice would have made a difference? We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again in love. For each time that our fears have made us rigid and inaccessible. We forgive ourselves and each other. For each time we have struck out in anger without just cause, we forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again in love. For each time that our greed has blinded us to the needs of others, we forgive ourselves and each other. Begin again in love for the selfishness that sets us apart and alone. We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again in love for falling short of the admonitions of the Spirit. We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again in love for losing sight of our unity. We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again in love for those and so many acts both evident and subtle, which have fueled the illusion of separateness. We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again in love. And finally, Kaddish. Yom Kippur is also the day of remembrance. Memory breaks the coils of the present, establishes the continuity of generations and rescues human life and human effort from futility. If you have wept for someone who has died in this last year, please, if you are physically willing, physically able and willing, please stand. If you have wept for someone who has died in this last year, And now for those of you who have wept for someone at any time, please stand. And then I invite the rest of you, as, you, as witnesses to this weeping, to stand with these folks. We stand with those who have wept, those who now weep, and those who have yet to weep. Let us stand and remember those of our loved ones who have died to this world. Recall before you the face and the spirit of the dearest of them. Let yourself remember the meaning of their presence in your life. All over the world, people on Yom Kippur stand in honor of the dead. I invite you now as we stand together to speak the names of those dear to us who are gone. Daphne and Hugh.
May we be comforted by the memories of those who have gone before us, and may those, may those dear departed ones be at peace. When we memorialize our dead, the world is sustained by the just people in it. The light of justice and mercy has been passed on to us. Let us pass that light to our children, to each other, and to all the peoples of the world. Let us be a beacon of justice and mercy and love and light. Amen and blessed be. Please join in singing number 323, Break Not the Circle.